2: From the people who turned a niche Scottish football podcast into a critically acclaimed TV show on the BBC... It's Review from the Terrace A pop culture podcast network Hello
0: and welcome to the Still Game podcast My name is Bethany Tenick
2: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Rewatchable Hello and welcome to <sighs> Review from Turnbuckle Debating the best in movies, iconic TV shows Classic albums, peak era wrestling And so much more Some intern got
0: fired for that like <laughs> <laughs> be like, Jared! <laughs> and
2: what would you have done? <laughs> Loved it, what a moment, what a moment <laughs> Review from the Terrace brings together a collection of professionals, pals, misfits and special guest interviews The one
0: and only Ewan Angus G Telfer, Director of Snow Games and Michael Hines
2: That's Review From The Terrace, a newly created podcast network with at least two shows dropping every week Aye, Good to see you man, good to see you man It's been a long time man
0: <laughs> Many people will say it's the biggest moment in the history of this. It's about <laughs> 35 <laughs> <laughs> Find us on Acast or
3: wherever you get your podcasts Welcome to the Man City Show with me, John Stapleton, standing in for Nigel Rothband, who's clearly got a better offer. and I jest, he's uh, unavailable tonight, but I assure you he will be with you next time. Well, what a day, what a match that was yesterday and so, so much to talk about in the company of uh, Steve Cox, Joe Doherty and Stuart Brockin. Gentlemen, I'd like to kick off just by asking you first and foremost for your overall impression of, of, of that game, starting with you, Stephen. When, when that ref blew his, the whistle at the end of the game, what was going through your head?
0: I was relieved that we hadn't lost. I was rueing the fact that we hadn't scored more goals and actually put them to bed in the first half. I thought it was a fantastic game. Uh, It's some of the best football I've seen City play for quite some time. Um, And for once, I actually didn't feel nervous during the game. It always seemed as though we would get the better of them at some point or other. So... uh, Actually, very strange, given the fact we'd put our Amfield voodoo to bed uh, last year by beating them four-one at Amfield. I was actually feeling a little bit more confident on this occasion, and and actually it proved to be the case. I mean, City were by far the better team for the majority of that game,
3: and it was a great advert, wasn't it, for 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 uh, for soccer in in this country, Stuart? Yeah, absolutely, it's a, a, one of the few
1: games this season where both teams were on attack. I mean, normally it's you know counter attack and counter mouse and. The low block and all that rubbish, but these two teams just went for it, and it made for, for a great game. And that's that's how football should be played. That's how it used to be played some time ago. I think you might remember. Um, but yeah, both teams were. I was very nervous, by the way, Steve, um, throughout, <laughs> uh, just sort of almost like shivering during the game. And I think you know when we <laughs> when we were went in at halftime, nil nil. I thought we'd blown it because how many times do you see a team completely dominate and then lose to, the, to an odd goal or something like that? And when they scored, I thought, well, there you go, that's it. But, uh, we made a sterner stuff these days.
3: At that final whistle, Joe, as you heard the whistle go
2: or went for a pint or whatever you did, what was going through your head? Well, I think um, I agree with Stuart about um, being quite annoyed at half-time because I was saying to everyone around me, I really hope that... Um, that that isn't half-time coming at a good time for them because I felt like it took a bit of the momentum out of the game for us because we'd been playing really well in that first half. And then um, it did look like it was right because I don't know what Klopp said at half-time, but Liverpool looked like a team-possessed second half. It was a much more even game and I thought they played pretty well. And when they scored, you think, oh God, here we go, it's going to happen again. But I've got to say, you can never go to Anfield away go behind twice, come away without losing and really complain about that. Like, yeah, we probably should have won the game of- into bed. And I think Milner was perhaps a bit lucky not to get a red card. But at the end of the day, you'd have taken it before the game. And it was, and as we've all said, it was a really excellent game of football. It was a
3: fantastic game of football. But as as uh, you've, you've all alluded to, to some extent or other, chances were missed. And in, in the papers this morning, the debate will go on. Would it have been different if we'd had a sort of, well, first-class striker or a conventional striker on the pitch. Let's kick off again with you, you, Steve. Could it have made a difference? I think it would have done, actually. I've said many
0: times on the pod that one of our biggest failings this summer was not um, getting a striker in to give us that other option of being able to chuck the ball into the box sometimes. And I think we had so many opportunities in that first half that a a fit, an on-form Aguero, would have probably buried and Liverpool would have been we would have been out of sight of Liverpool by half-time. So there are going to be games this season where we're going to regret that. Um, PSG was probably an example of that. We really didn't take our opportunities and, and didn't convert our opportunities into goals. And, yeah, you know, it, it, I think it's something we do need to address when we get to January, although the, the quality of strikers available in January is probably not going to be good enough for
3: what we're looking for. What about you, Joe? Do you think it would have made a difference having a conventional number nine, oh, like, let's say, Harry Kane, for example?
2: Absolutely I do. I think that um we've been doing a lot where we've looked we're doing every we're doing everything right in the midfield and the wings like how we're playing around the box but you just we're lacking that killer instinct inside the box and yes we've got plenty of attacking midfield players who will chip in with a solid number of goals every year but you really do need someone who's just who's just a, a real fox in the box if you like. And you know, obviously we've had Aguero as world class. I think even if we'd had a Jecko or a or a Balotelli or or an Great or one of those other strikers we've had in the last 10 years up top, we'd have we'd have put that game to bed a lot earlier. Um I do think that needs to be addressed in January.
3: The fact is, you we've got a number nine, haven't we? And Jesus, who's actually been playing rather well on the right.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think he's a natural striker though, John. I think he's he's a good ball player. Um he fights very hard for the team. He, he can be a bit silly at times, you know. But I don't think he's a natural number nine, you know, like a Kane or a Haaland or a Lewandowski. Um, I think Haaland is the player we ought to be going for, if anyone. I think Kane's overpriced, overaged. Um I don't think Levy wants to sell him in any way, uh, in any event. Um, if we can get Haaland, this team would, would walk the lead every season for the next three. but He's 21. You know, how much improvement will Pep get out of a player like Harlan? And yes, if we'd have had a, a conventional striker yesterday, we could have been up 2-0 up at half-time, 1-0, whatever. We would have won that game.
3: Yeah, but see, on, on the other hand, we've. Got, I mean, Hazus has got a new lease of life at number, uh, on, the, on the right, hasn't he? I mean, he's, I, I think he's played exceptionally well there. And he's, he's scored a couple of goals, I think, and he's created as well.
1: He has, I think he's I think he is good in that position, but he's not a number nine. So you have to rule him out as as a conventional striker in that's in that sense. But yes, he has played well. He has played well, no doubt.
3: Steve, on the on the other hand, you know, we won the league last year for most most of the season without a, a conventional number nine. So why can't we do it again?
0: No reason. I think there's just some games where we struggle to score. And, and you know, you look at, we've, we've had some games where we've been 4 5 nil this year. Um, and we've not, we, you know, we've had 14 different scorers, I think, at the moment, something like that, which is more than anybody else in the league. So we've got people who can score goals. And you look at it yesterday, De Bruyne took his chance well, Foden took his chance well. We just didn't convert enough of them. And I think that's that's where the, the finger's always going to be pointed at us. Um The sooner we can actually repair that, the better. I I don't know why we've not looked at Dilap a little bit more because he looks strong enough and and, and good enough to fulfil that position, even if it's just from the bench occasionally when we're struggling to score a goal. Chuck him on, see what he can do.
1: He's injured at the moment, Dilap. He's out for several weeks, apparently. So, when they, they're not saying what sort of injury it is, but he's out for several weeks.
3: Oh, I didn't know that. No,
1: so he's not. A, he's not an option at the moment.
3: On the other hand, Joe, there's also Torres, there, not there? You know, Fernand Torres. Right? Was, again, has scored a couple of goals since the start of the season. I thought performed well in, in a role that he's not. Well, he wasn't bought in that role, was he?
2: No, I think that they, at this point in time, I do think he's better in the middle than he is on the wing. To be honest, I think that he's got a. He's a decent finisher, and I don't think he's as good at taking people on as as people. As some people say he is because he, he sometimes looks afraid to take a player on. So I prefer him in the middle. Um, I just think I don't know what it is, but there are just certain games that I I would look at him and just not sure he's quite up to it yet. And Liverpool away and a lot of the games we've had in this last week are those sort of games. I think you can. I think you should definitely. Obviously, you've got a easier run of games coming up with the likes of Burnley and Brighton and Palace and I could see him playing in those sort of games um but then obviously at the end of that run we've got United away and I would not play him in a game like that yet I I think that he's um he's very talented but he's quite a raw talent at the moment and there's I just, I'm just not sure. I personally have the confidence yet to start him in the biggest games of the season.
3: To play devil's advocate if I could, I mean, if you did have a conventional striker in, in that team yesterday, I mean, you'd have lost a creative midfield player, creating the uh, one one less person creating chances. Uh, Steve. True, true, um, but sometimes we can lose one of those players.
0: I mean, of. The players on the pitch yesterday, Grealish perhaps wasn't as effective as he could be, and he hasn't been in the last couple of games, to be perfectly honest with you. The more effective players have been Silva and Foden um, and De Bruyne. They've looked much more, they're contributing much more. Grealish seems to be receiving the ball and trying to bring it on his right-hand foot and uh, turn in a little bit. And I'm not sure that he's really contributing as much anyway. So would would we have missed him yesterday yesterday? I'm not sure. We would have missed a creative midfielder. You're you're absolutely right. And that overload really caused Liverpool some issues. So I think all in all, we have to say that going to Anfield and getting a result yesterday was good. The fact that we didn't win wasn't brilliant. But the reality is, how many times have we been to Anfield and been disappointed by losing? So, you know, it's really hard to find much
3: fault with what happened yesterday. No, but our, our critics would argue, uh, Stuart, that you know, in, in, in taking Grealish for £100 million, we sort of went for the wrong guy. We should have saved that money to get a proper striker. I mean, In, in fairness to Grealish yesterday, he's never played centre-forward before in his life, as far as I know. And he's playing with a new team, not that long in the club. Tough call.
1: Absolutely. I think we'd have probably bought both if we could have done. I don't think Grealish was an alternative to uh, Harry Kane, by any means. Um, and he's not a centre-forward. He, he's probably never played in that role for Villa. Uh, so I think it's a little bit unfair to judge him on yesterday. I think he's a good player. I think he could be a great player. He should be, I suppose, at that price. Uh, but, um, you know, he, he didn't have a good game yesterday. I didn't think De Bruyne had a good game yesterday until he actually scored.
3: Have you been impressed with Greece when he's played out on the left? I mean, I've, he gets lots of free kicks. He takes on lots of guys. But his final, final pass?
1: Not so great. He, he, he didn't score a lot of goals for Villa, percentage-wise. And I think that's what Pep wants a little bit more from him, uh, you know, in that sort of sense. But, yeah, I think he'll, he's in a new team. Come on, you know, he's uh, he's got to settle in a bit. I know, I know he scored very early on in his City career, but it wasn't much of a goal. But he, he, he will fit in eventually. Pep will find a, a slot for him.
3: I'm not going to go through the entire team, but there's one other person, well, two other people I want to talk about in a bit more detail. One of them, is, Joe, is, is Raheem Sterling. I mean, in my view, for what it's worth... Um, he ain't a number nine uh, and in my view, for what it's worth, he's not been that effective for us for six months, frankly. Plays brilliantly for England, but I've not seen give what I would consider an outstanding performance in in six months. Am I being
2: unfair, Joe? I, I don't think you're being unfair. I think that he has been very out of form. I think um, the problem does somewhat stem from the fact that I don't think he's been playing in his best position for a couple of years now. I, I think his best his best days were when you had him playing on the right as a conventional right winger. You had Sane on the left as a conventional left winger. And they. I, I honestly thought they were, when Sterling was at his best, he was getting a lot of goals. Um, I think the problem has become that Pep seems to have made a switch towards playing people on the... Um, on the, he made a bit of a switch with the likes of Grealish playing as a right footer on the left wing. So you've got Mares, a left footer on the right wing, and I'm not sure that's really helped Sterling. I think I just think he's been playing a bit out of position. Because um, you, if you watched him play for England, of course, when he was playing well, a lot of the time he was playing on the right. Sure. What's your view, Steve, about Sterling in the last few months?
0: He's just not looked at the races. Probably for all the reasons that Joe says, he's just not having a good run of form. And then he's also not getting a lot of game time. And he's a player that tends to play on confidence. So if he's not getting a lot of game time, I can't see that he's actually going to build that confidence at all. He needs a good run in the team and perhaps a goal or two. And then he might get back to the level that he was before. I'm hoping he's not blown himself out, really.
3: And where would you play
0: him? I would prefer him on the right as a natural right winger.
3: Yeah, so, so Hazers would drop out in, in those circumstances. Under
0: those circumstances, but you've got to rotate because they all need to have a game, don't they? And what about you, Steve? Where are you playing?
1: Well, I think on the right, but um, he played with a conventional striker for England, so maybe that's what he's lacking at the moment. I don't know. He's, um, he's definitely lacking in confidence for City. For England, no. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe he's unhappy with something. He's had talks with... Guardiola apparently, I don't know what what happened in those talks. Obviously, but I don't, I don't think he'll be at this club uh, by the
3: end of the season. I don't want to be. I don't want to be completely negative. We must keep stressing it. That was a great performance by City yesterday. I'm going through, I'm nitpicking a bit here, but there is one other issue I I, I want you to address, and that's someone someone mentioned it a little while ago, and that's Kevin De Bruyne. Now, yesterday, I mean, all right, fantastic shot deflection, okay, but still, a, still a great goal. Until that point, and in two or three games past, I have not felt the wonderful Kevin De Bruyne, arguably, in my view, the best midfield player in the world, has been up to speed. Um, again, Joe, am I being
2: unfair? Uh, I, I, again, I don't think you're being unfair, but I don't think it's, it's, it's that much of an issue. I think that obviously he's been out with an injury and he's a player that kind of does sometimes need a few games to get going. You know, every season, it's. I've always felt like he's been perhaps a bit of a slow starter and a lot of his best games comes or best run of form comes to starting around the late September, October time. So I'm not too worried about him. I just think he's getting himself up to speed a bit. And it's just it's just bad luck for him that the, the games he's needed and he's come into to get him up to speed are the likes of PSG, Liverpool and Chelsea. Whereas, you know, that's just the luck of the draw quite often the games he's getting up to speed in easier ones. So I think he's been a bit unlucky there, really. Um, I don't think he's been at his best in these games, but perhaps you know, perhaps we notice it a bit more when they're the sort of games where we're relying on him usually to get the results sorted. Whereas, obviously, if you're playing a Burnley at home, let's say, and he's, not, he's having an off day, you know, you'd still like to think the team we've got are, are capable of winning that sort of game comfortably. And you perhaps don't notice if he's a bit off the boil. Stuart,
3: your take on on KDB?
1: I thought he had a poor game yesterday, as I said. Um, He had a bad injury, Mr Rudiger, in the Champions League. He was injured in the Euros. He had no preseason. season Uh, He's played three successive games now. against very tough opposition, as we've said. He's 10% off. When when De Bruyne is 10% off, then he's not as effective, obviously. Um, Give him a bit of time. He's he's got a couple of games in Belgium. during the international break. Uh, and let's hope he, he just, you know, matures into the season.
3: OK, guys, we're going to take a break there. Time to go for a pile a pint, whatever takes your fancy. When we come back, some positive news. Let's talk about the fantastic performances of Foden and Bernardo. And, and, of course, that ref. Oh, my God. Join us in a couple of minutes. Welcome back to the Man City Show with me, John Stevens, standing in for Nigel Rothband. We've been talking about some of the things that could have been better at, at Anfield yesterday. Let's concentrate for a few min- minutes on the things that were absolutely fantastic. And I've got in mind gentlemen, Phil Foden and Bernardo Silva. I mean, what a performance. First of all, by Foden, uh, Steve. Foden,
0: every time he plays, he just gets better. He's lethal, um, absolutely lethal, teams fear him because he runs at them and he runs, you know, Milner must have been scared witless when he saw that Foden was going to be running him all game yesterday because he's got boundless energy. When, when towards the end of the game, when De Bruyne looked a little bit sluggish and other players were looking a little bit sluggish, Foden was still galloping down that wing and still offering the pass. He had a brilliant game yesterday. I'm, I, you know, what can you say at Anfield, having a game like that against Liverpool, who rate themselves incredibly highly because they're a very good team. And Foden didn't look out of place at all. He just gets better and
3: better and better. Should, Joe, should we start him every week or should Pep start him every week?
2: Well, obviously, I, I think we need to make sure with if we're fighting on all four fronts, that there is a suitable amount of rotation. and um, We've obviously got some other decent players that can play that position, but... I certainly think that generally he should be one of the first names on the team sheet and certainly in the big games. For me, he has to start because he brings a real energy to the team that perhaps some of the other players, you know, perhaps the likes of Mares, who I do like and I think has generally been pretty good for us. I don't always think he brings the same energy that Foden does and I, and I think he causes teams a lot more problems. Like yesterday, in a game, especially when you're playing a team like Liverpool, where Klopp's got them set up to play very high intensity, it's important to have someone like Foden to respond to that with. Yeah, and, and your, your, your view, Stuart?
1: I think he had a marvellous game yesterday. As, as Joe said, he's improving every game. I think Steve said that too. Um, I don't know if anybody noticed on the replay that he didn't look when he hit that ball for, for the goal. Uh, we've had a few no-look Edison passes, but he did not actually look up at any point during that movement. Amazing, he knew where you know where he was on the pitch. He had his bearings. That's that's the sign of a great player. You know he knows where he is on the pitch at any given time. De Bruyne has that quality, I think, as well. But yes, he's. I mean, Pep, Pep, the way he's dealt with him has been brilliant. Uh, despite a lot of the critics saying he didn't play him enough, he should send him out and low. He's proved Pep right, and he'll keep proving him right. I think he's a, a, a generational talent. There's no question.
3: And Bernardo, Steve. I mean, you know, to think that in the close season we might we might have lost him. I, I don't know what the reasons are. I think it's family reasons or personal reasons, whatever he wanted out of city. But thank God he stayed because he is playing in. The, he's in the form of his life, isn't he? He is an absolute dynamo, that lad. Um, nicking the ball off Henderson yesterday
0: and then proceeding to run five Liverpool players absolutely ragged, and they couldn't even put a hand on him. They, they were scared to touch him in case he went down and gave away a free kick and a yellow card. And then to have the presence of mind to play a ball bisecting their defence for Foden to run onto. He's uh, Yeah, he is a great player, and we would have sorely missed him had he left City. I really hope that he stays for a long time because he's, he's an immense talent. He's like a little messy.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that pass, you know, if, if Foden hit that first time, arguably, arguably that would have been in the back of the net, but he took a touch, sure. didn't
0: he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that touch let him down a little bit on that occasion.
3: Uh, what about you, Joe? Uh, sorry, Stuart, what, what, what are your, your views on, on 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 Bernardo? I mean, how do you account for this? I mean, last season he was in and out of the side and I mean, you would have to say justifiably because there was a time when, at first when Pep, I think Pep said he's the first name on the sheet, on the team sheet. Then he got he he fell, fell out of favor I think probably good reason he wasn't he wasn't performing in quite the same way and now suddenly this great surge of of confidence again at a time when we all thought he wanted out which is bizarre isn't it
1: yeah maybe last season he was affected by those personal problems and that's maybe why he wanted to go we don't know uh, this this season obviously that's behind him completely he works ever so hard uh, he pops up everywhere he played a lot deeper against Chelsea I thought. And that really suited the way you know. I, I didn't think he was a defender or a, you know a midfield uh, player, but he in that's you know deep midfield player. But that's how he that's how he performed. And he, I think he can play anywhere he wants to, and he's all over the field. He's you can't really pin him down. He must be a nightmare to play against.
3: Yeah, absolutely. We can't have a discussion about the game yesterday without discussing Paul Tinney the ref. Uh, let, I'm going to kick off with you, Joe. Uh, your assessment of the referee's performance yesterday?
2: I I, I didn't think he was very good. Um, I, I don't like holding referees accountable for dropped points, but it was hard not to yesterday because it did feel like every 50-50 was going their way. There were several occasions where we wouldn't get a decision and they'd get one and you'd say, well, sorry, how does that work? You can't have it both ways. And as for that, not being a second yellow card for Milner, I'm sorry, that's absolutely laughable. Not only was it a very cynical foul, like he was clearly, you know, he, he knew Foden had him on toast all game, and that was his way of just, you know, not not allowing him through. It was a bad tackle as well. It wasn't even he didn't even attempt to win the ball. So that is that ticks both the boxes of being a yellow card. And again, I don't like to blame. I don't. I don't usually believe this whole thing of referees favour certain clubs, particularly a couple of clubs we don't particularly like. But I do think Pep had half a point when he said Old Trafford, Anfield, that's not given anywhere else that's given.
3: Yeah. I, I, well, I think every City fan would, would have agreed with him. And, and you know, Stuart Brennan in the, in, in the, of the Evening News, a man who I, I read a lot and respect a lot, was said apparently the VAR on the first foul, foul—it and it wasn't, was, in my view, a foul, VR was saying it wasn't even a foul. Never, It wasn't an issue whether it was in the box or not. It wasn't, in their view, a foul. How did he come to a conclusion like that?
1: Well, he pushed him in the back and it's it's outside the box, but it's a foul and it's a yellow card. The third yellow card he should have had was when he, you know, he left his trailing leg out for Bernardo. But I think a few of the papers have said this morning or this afternoon that the referee thought Henderson fouled bernardo which he probably did he sort of tried to get zap him on the ankle as he went past him and then he moved inside and then milner sort of put his foot out you know so maybe the referee thought it was a foul by henderson not a yellow i don't know but it is a yellow and it was should have been his third yellow of the match which equals a red in my opinion
3: I mean, at the end of the day, Steve, referees, they have to, have to make split-second decisions very, very quickly. Of, of a split-second decision, by definition, it's very, very quick. Uh, yes, they have to make split-second decisions, and they're human beings. And is it possible, do you think, is it, is it likely, do you think, that referees, this and this one may be no exception, are intimidated in an atmosphere like that? They don't want to send off a player at, at Anfield, they don't want to send off a player at Old Trafford, whereas at, at Ber- Turf Moor or somewhere else, they would have no hesitation. That's a very difficult question to answer. Um,
0: I suspect that the atmosphere certainly plays on the referee's mind. Um, Anfield can turn into a very septic place very, very quickly. And that may actually be weighed in the the ref's mind as he's making a decision like that. It shouldn't. It should be an impartial decision. It, It was clearly a foul and it was clearly made by Milner. Therefore, the ref should have had no option other than to send him off. But if in the old days someone at Old Trafford would have had to then face Fergie and they would have got a lambasted in the papers for weeks and generally Fergie was always seen in inverted commas as being right even when he was completely and utterly wrong um, I think the referees are in a no-win situation however I think the referee needs to take a serious look at that and in.
3: He needs to revise his uh, his opinions I think maybe sort of VAR you know I mean what are they for if it's not for, you know, pulling up on things like that?
0: Clear and obvious error under those circumstances. That's clear. And it was well obvious to everybody except the ref.
3: Well, we've been nitpicking a bit today because we, but we did acknowledge right from the start, this is a fantastic game, a wonderful game of football, great advert for, 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 the, for, for the sport, absolutely. And we should take great comfort in the fact that, all right, we're not top of the table, but hang on, guys, let's not forget, we've played Spurs away, we've played Chelsea away, and now played Liverpool away. So we've got three of our three hardest away games, at, arguably, out of the
2: way. So we should feel fairly confident, shouldn't we, Joe? Well, I've been saying since the fixtures came out, uh, if we go into Christmas in a very good position, either top of the table or a couple of points off it, it's a, good, it's a good place to be because all these teams, obviously, so those three have already played. Obviously, we've got United away in a month as well. They've all got to come to ours after Christmas. And obviously, I know that doesn't always mean anything because United tend to do better at our place than they do against us at Old Trafford. Um, It it does put a lot of pressure on them because it's the sort of game in a title race you look at and say, we've got to win that. And you always feel a little bit more confident if it's at your home ground. So if we've gone to these teams and got a suitable number of points, I I mean, I'm still buzzing about Chelsea last week. I thought that was excellent. And I'm and I'm I'm pretty happy with the result yesterday, albeit could have been we could have won it. So really I, I think that's the big thing. When 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 it matters in the season and it's crunch time, the fact that these teams will have to come and come to our ground does fill you with a bit of confidence.
3: I was just thinking, Stuart, I mean, compared to where we were at this stage last season, we've every reason to feel very confident, haven't we? Yeah,
2: we're miles ahead
1: of where we were last season, absolutely. Yeah. Um yeah, I think we've we've got enough enough in the tank. And if we can, like Joe says, if we can be in a reasonable second, third spot by Christmas, no problem. We'll we'll go on and win the league. I think, I think that, I don't think Chelsea will be, will sustain their run to the end of the season. I think it will be between the two teams from yesterday, I have no doubt about that.
3: Well, I was that was going to be my next point, actually, Steve. Which, which of the three do you fear most, Chelsea, Liverpool uh, or, or <coughs> the enemy? Liverpool are the
0: team that I think we have most to fear from. Chelsea are a decent team, but they're still building under Tuchel, and I think they can look a little bit weak. United look like a team that someone's put together for a fantasy football league, to be fair. Um, And they're actually a team of individuals. And I've watched, because my partner is a City, uh, sorry, United fan, I've actually watched a fair few United games, and, and I'm not really finding them that good to watch and they are vulnerable um, and they will they will have games where they will win and they will have games where they will be absolutely knocked off the park and and um, you know the weekend they got a one-all draw they're not they're not that great a team they're just not yeah. a team
3: that's what it is they're I, a bunch I, of individuals chucked together a rather, rather odd team selection as well yeah but not, not that we're going to discuss Manchester United on this programme absolutely not Joe who do you
2: fear most? Chelsea? Spurs? United? Liverpool? Until the other week, I thought it was going to be Chelsea, but I think Liverpool have been quite clever this season in a way that they've kind of gone under the radar a bit and people haven't thought about them. But, you know, they did badly last season because they had a lot of injuries. They're still an excellent team with an excellent manager. So I would definitely say Liverpool are the team I would most worry about. Um, like Steve said, Chelsea are still building. Obviously, they had a very good Second half of last season, winning the Champions League, and they they bought they put together a very good squad. But they're still they are still adjusting to Tuchel. He's not even been there a year yet, so I think he can be given the benefit of the doubt a bit. Um, United, you know, they're they beat. They try and make the oh, we're a few points off the top, yeah. But they're also a lot of jammy one nil wins away that they shouldn't have got from being mid table. So. Uh, I, I, I'm not worried about United. And I will, I, I've said since the day he joined, only going to Solskjaer will not win a major trophy for them.
3: Uh, I was, what frightens me, actually, uh, Stuart, with Liverpool in particular, is that if they can soak up the sort of pressure they did yesterday, and then on the break with those three front runners uh, uh, in, in the team, they are a real force to be reckoned with. Anything could happen if those three break away and get the ball. And, that, and credit where credit's due that Salah goal was out of this world wasn't it?
1: It was the best goal you will see this season probably because uh, he took out about four men uh, squeezed in on a very tight angle uh, yeah I mean Klopp's got them running again uh, they have conceded five goals in the last two games including Brent for Premier League games that is uh, so they're not impregnable by any means and I think we're more consistent than Liverpool. I think we are, I bet we've got a better squad than Liverpool, got a better in-depth squad than Liverpool have. You saw last season had a couple of injuries and they, you know, they fell apart basically in terms of a a title challenge. I think, yes, they are the biggest threat but I think we're the team to beat. There's no question about that.
3: So gentlemen, as a final thought, are we going to, on the basis of the toughest week we could possibly imagine, Chelsea away Paris Saint-Germain away and Liverpool away. Let's kick off with you, Steve. Are we going to win the league?
0: Yes. That's absolutely, ab- Absolutely. Yeah, short answer. Um, no, I think we will this year. I think we've built momentum. We've got a very strong squad. I'm certain that we're going to go and
2: get quite a lot of points, but Liverpool will run us very, very close. Joe? Too soon for me. Um... We've done we have done the hard bit this week, if you like. But it, it wasn't long ago. We've we have dropped some stupid points to teams. We're much better than this year. So as long as we don't do the, any more of that, I think we've got a very good chance of winning it. But I, I just see it's a little bit early for now. You, you show that hesitancy or are you
3: confident?
1: Uh, pretty confident.
3: And
1: <laughs> we're talking about the league. Which league are we talking about?
3: Championship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Premier. I know. Pretty confident. Uh, I, I think we will. Excellent. Gentlemen, I hope you're all right. Thank you very much indeed for your uh, participation. Uh, As I say, uh, the real one will be back soon. Nigel will be back soon. Thank you very much indeed for uh, letting me uh, join your show as a presenter rather than just a contributor. Good fun and fingers crossed for City, not just against Burnley, but for the rest of the season as well. Good to see you
2: all. Thank you very much indeed. If you'd like to advertise on or sponsor this show, contact us at playbackmedia.co.uk.